68. And as discouraging as some of these psalms can be, we are just simply reminded that we not only live in a fallen world, but in this fallen world there's a lot of wicked people. And we have to be conscious of it, and we have to be conscious all the time. But not discouraged. Right. See, being aware is not the same thing as being discouraged. Because we have something that other people don't have, especially the wicked. And the naive, we have something the naive don't have, and that is the uh, wisdom of the Lord. So we should be able to see things that the rest of the world can't see, understand things that the world can't understand, because we have the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? So life is not always fair, part three. Psalm 58, verse 1 says... Um, uh, do ye indeed speak righteousness, O congregation? Do ye judge uprightly, O ye sons of men? Yea, in heart ye work wickedness. Ye weigh the violence of your hands in the earth. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they uh, they be born, uh, speaking lies. So few, if any, haven't uh, failed to realize that uh, uh, in a fallen world, life isn't always fair. There are those who have and those uh, who have not discovered it, and those who have, you're a little, little more weary of other people than you might otherwise be. But some are born into wealth, others into poverty, and others somewhere in between. Satan, however, is a master at using this characteristic of pitting those of wealth against those who struggle in their day-to-day affairs, whether it's financially or uh, whatever it is, education or authority and power and all the things that money and stuff can buy. But we know we have seen a tremendous rise in socialism of late, with them, especially the last probably five, six years, maybe ten years or so. And unfortunately, most of our, higher edu- our institutes of higher education are really socialist-bound. They have been pumping mines full of this garbage from day one. And uh, now they're out into the workforce, out into our society. And usually they seem to be heading right into policy-making positions, don't they? And they are pressing very hard to bring America into a socialist nation because they're smarter than any, any other socialist or any other socialist nation around the world. They think that they can somehow make it work. But they never take into consideration the character of the heart. There is no great experiment that man can conjure up in his or her mind that would make socialism work in a predominantly lost, darkened, fallen world because the heart is desperately wicked. And there are always those who are going to take advantage of the system and they're going to use it for their advantage as well as the disadvantage of others along the way. So we would be wise and we would certainly be smart that we would really vet those who are running for offices, anywhere that they might be. But socialism is predicated upon this idea of leveling the disparity or leveling this playing field by stealing someone else's wealth, regardless of whether they worked hard for their wealth or whether they came by inheritance. Uh, But they wanted to give it to those who don't want to work or apply themselves to a a non-work ethic. And that's as wrong as, as wrong can be. Now, some people, I'm not going to mention any names, but it sounds like something you do when the fall comes around. 
And uh, I mean, he has been ripping the world off all around the world to aggrandize his own his own uh, bank accounts for the most part. Anybody figure that one out yet? What do you do in the fall? You hunt. That's as far as I'm going. <laughs> but anyway, you get the point. Now, something that Jesus states is very important, and he stated it within a, a different context, but I'm going to, the, the truth is still the same regardless. And Jesus states that we will always have the poor with us. They're always going to be with us. There are always going to be the has and the have-nots. And a lot of people, as I said earlier, in between somewhere, those who just seem to be able to eke out a living and those who are struggling. And some are really, you know, they have given up altogether. They're not even trying. Others, you know, they may be working two jobs, three jobs. This uh, uh, young man in, I don't think, was it New York City or Chicago? So I think he was just shot and killed. He had to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. He, was, he worked three jobs to take care of his family. And uh, he was a black man, and he got shot. He just, oh, just random shooting and, and, and his, his life was gone just like that. But he was, a, he was an example of someone who was willing to work hard to take care of his family. He was a good person. He was a good individual. And so, again, this world's not fair. You'd say, well, there's probably a bunch of losers somewhere that should have taken that bullet rather than this, this guy here. And I, I don't profess to know why God allows certain things to happen or not to happen. I'm not even sure if we even say that God was somehow involved in that one way or the other, but uh, the truth of the matter is that uh, innocent people uh, get hurt in a fallen world. And certainly when you look at Israel, and because of the wickedness of several generations, uh, more than several well, yeah, a couple of generations anyway in Israel, because of their wickedness, there were a lot of good people that got carried off into Babylonian captivity. Uh, Daniel must have been, I, I believe that Dan, I don't think he had an epiphany and changed from when he was carried off from, from Judah and carried off into Babylon and then all of a sudden decided, hey, this would be a good time to get right with God. I believe he had that kind of a lifestyle to begin with. It was, it was in his, uh, it, it was in his being to, to love the Lord, to serve the Lord and to make sure that he gave his life completely to God. And so he basically, when he says that I purposed in my heart not to defile my body with the king's mates, he had already had that, that, that decision. These are things I did not do over here in Israel when I was back over in Judah and I'm not going to do those things over here. My God that was a God there is my God that's still here and so I'm going to serve him the same way I would have served him back there. But again, because of the wickedness of so many people, and be honest with you, uh, the, uh, the problems that America is having is because we've had too many wicked people in high places for too long. And now the consequences of all those stupid elections have filtered its way on down into the public life so that now uh, you, you could probably go into a grocery store and come out of there uh, with, uh, with a bag full of groceries for $10, $15, $20. Now you can't come out with a bag full of groceries without spending at least $90, $100, or $100 more. Food's expensive today. Uh, gas is expensive. and Everything that we, uh, we use as individuals, it's, it's cost us a whole lot more money uh, to do those things there. And not, not to be, you say, okay, under, how, come is it, how can it be that under one president we're paying this, uh, another president comes along here, now we're paying woo, way up here somewhere along the line there. So what is it? Well, policy differences and wickedness in the, in the minds of the hearts. Uh, I, I doubt that uh, the, our, our current president prays about any decisions he's going to make. Uh, I don't even think as a Roman Catholic, he's a good Catholic. I don't even think he uses rosaries or anything else uh, before he does any legislation along the way. But the truth, the truth of the matter is we live in a, we live in a, uh, in a very fallen world, and, and poor people are going to be with us. And it is, it is, it is a responsibility, I believe, the local church to do, to do the best they can. I really uh, am, am sad that we didn't do more for up in, uh, in, in Cambridge and areas like that. We could have, as a church, gotten together. We could have gotten things of water 
hamburger and maybe taken a hot dog cooker and gone up there and cooked hot dogs or done something up that way. And I'm thinking of all these things we could have done, we should have done, and didn't do. And uh, next time, the Lord willing, uh, that we'll be ready for any kind of a catastrophe that comes, and I hope it's not a flood again. Because we're going up here, we're going to drag Jordan's house out of that area and jack it up on a hilltop somewhere too, and have to get caught up in it. But uh, uh, we, we need to take advantage of, of things like this that uh, we can find some way. And I don't think we always have to have a food shelf, but we know that there are poor people out there who are really trying hard. Others, they've just gotten used to working the system, and that's all they ever do is they just work the system. And uh, and it's hard sometimes to tell the difference between them until you get to know them. And that's why you try to tell them ahead of time. See this, you know, if you belong to a local church. They'd understand you a lot better. They'd understand your needs a lot better. But, you know, you tell me, we get hit often uh, on these things here. But anyway, Jesus uh, said that we're poor with us. And uh, uh, then there are those who are poor for a number of reasons. And, of course, John chapter 12 and verse 6 states that. Though it was not the setting, it was a point made that is still true today, several thousand years later, that we still have poor people with us today. Now, we know the religious leaders and other unscrupulous men were taking advantage of the poor, the widows, and the orphans. In fact, Jesus rebuked them in Matthew chapter 23, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, and the guys and all that. He, he rebuked them because they were. They were ripping off orphans, and they were ripping off widows, and they were taking their estates and taking their money, uh, doing everything they could to aggrandize themselves because they had become a very self-centered uh, group of people along the way. I mean, they, they they were they were they were wicked men pretending to serve the Lord, but they were really only serving their own interests. So wicked people are the topic of Psalm 58, uh, and they were using their positions of authority and power for personal gain, using sinful tactics, unjust practices, and strong arming the helpless. Kind of sounds like it does today, but that's the way it has been all the way down throughout all the centuries. There are those who have been in positions of power, and they've always used the positions of power to take and to get what it is that they want in life. And so as David takes over the throne of Israel, as we have said earlier, he is appalled at what he has discovered, and later, looking back, David pens Psalm 58 to let us know. So we tackle the final couple of, of verses as David uh, reveals some of the characteristics of those people that he... Uh, uh, labels as wicked individuals said wicked people are good at deception amen uh, you try to get through to the seniors that be careful of the phone calls they have got it down to a science we've had several people in our congregation uh, not recently but years back who were taken because they were duped and these deceivers knew just how to word and pull the information from you without even realizing that you were giving them the information they needed to formulate the next series of statements in the process. And they lost thousands and thousands of dollars as a result of, of being deceived. And uh, you ask yourself, how, how, how could someone with any kind of a conscience, how could they take a senior citizen especially, knowing that either they're either on a fixed income or they got life savings, which may not, you know, probably enough just to get them through to, uh, to their death and their funeral expenses and so on there. Uh, how could they in a clear conscience even do that kind of stuff? Well, verse 3 answers that, as we'll see here in just a minute. So secondly, we looked at wicked people are, are deliberate in their actions. They know what they want, they know what they're going to do, and they know how to do it, and uh, they have no compunction about doing it. They're very deliberate. You know, listen, nobody rips you off for thousands of dollars and does it by accident. Uh, either they have uh, sized you up and figured, okay, this is an individual who I think I can just 
take over the coals. And again, it's sometimes it's just how they word their, their, their phone call with you or whatever it is they're going to sell or you're thinking of, of buying. But thirdly tonight, wicked people have no conscience, and that's where we're going. Wicked people have no conscience. They have no, when, I, when I read through, and I just talked to my brother Carl the other day there, and uh, we got in a little bit of a conversation about, about the Old Testament and what existed before the Old Testament and so on. But I, I was sharing with them about uh, Gibbons, uh, a book that was a, a large volume, The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. And until you really read that, you don't know historically how vile and conscienceless people could be. They would as soon as slit your throat as eat a hamburger. No difference to them whatsoever. They were just vicious, vile, bloodthirsty, power-hungry individuals that if you got in their way, you were meat on the hook. And that was the end of it for them. So you begin to realize that there, this has always been all down throughout, all, all throughout human history. And so we look at verse 3, chapter 58 and verse 3. It says, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born. Speaking lies. Now it would seem that some people are born uh, with a, a predestination uh, to wickedness and others simply let the wickedness of their heart have free reign as they grow. Now admittedly some young people are born into homes that are just cruel and vile homes to be in, drug-addicted homes. And the kids, I uh, mean, uh, little ones, they have to fight for their, uh, what was it, just recently it was um, parents were arrested because a, a, a young daughter uh, hadn't eaten for days because of poverty. Because of the, not, not because of poverty, but because the parents had punished her and... They were cruel. They were very cruel parents to begin with, no matter how you looked at it. And she finally pushed the screen out, let herself down out of a second-story window, walked to a local store, and asked if she could have some food to eat. Well, they called the police, and police went there. Well, you know, some kids are raised in that environment, and they, they grow with a hostility and an anger against humanity and society. And as far as they're concerned, you get what you get, but you have to take it to get it. And it doesn't matter who gets hurt in the process as long as they get what they want. But others, you know, they just allow the wickedness of the heart to uh, go uncontrolled. So to those who are normal, it is incomprehensible to think or imagine that there are people in this world who have no qualms about cheating, about harming, and continually seek to do evil and not even feel bad. No remorse. And once in a while you hear that so-and-so appeared before the judge for sentencing and there was no remorse. They had no remorse for what they did. There was no point in what they did, but they had no remorse whether they took a human life or otherwise. So as every day unfolds in America, the wickedness of the human heart escalates the further the American people remove God from the fabric of our society. As long as there was a God... And as long as the society believed that there was a God, that was at least one controlling element. Because the idea was, you're going to die, prepare to meet your maker. Uh, they would give prisoners who were on death row an opportunity to get right between themselves and God along the way. And so, there was a time now, I mean, there's, there is none in our society today. And so, without God being a priority in one's life, in one's home or one's country, things will always deteriorate all across the human spectrum. 
Now, it seems to get worse with each and every generation. If we're not strong in our day, in our, in our children's lives, they're going to go out and they're not going to be strong in their home. They're going to be weaker than they were in your home. And then they're going to raise kids going to be weaker. And you see how that goes down. It's like a domino effect from one generation to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation. And so we have got to, as individuals, realize that we've got to really make sure that our home, if we are Christians, not just in name only, but we're Christians in practice, that our homes provide the environment where they can see God at work, see and sense the power of God's presence in their lives. And at least when they go out into the world, uh, they have that. And if they want to ignore that, there's going to come a particular point when God's going to pull the rug and say, okay, you know what? You had your opportunity. Now I'm going to pull the rug out. Life is going to be hard for you for a little while until you get back. But they'll always have that memory of what home was like. In a good sense, when they find themselves between a rock and a hard place, they're going to think back and they're going to look back. They're going to say, that was not how my home life was. And they're going to come to the conclusion the difference was that God was there. And many of them will come back to the Lord. Many of them get their lives straightened out and get back on course. So don't ever give up. Amen. You keep your home, a home where God is center, where God is continually honored. So the Bible says, and uh, deteriorates, I should say, all across the human spectrum, without a, without a, a respect of, for God, the human heart has only one way to go. Down. Now, our society has convinced itself, for the most part, that we don't need God, and so they're moving ahead. They don't realize they're on a slippery slope going downward. They think they're actually making progress. That we're being a very loving and a very caring nation because we're accepting of, of people living together uh, outside of marriage. Uh, people are, are having adulterous affairs. And listen, those are the same things were going on in Israel before, before God finally said, hey, enough is enough. And he lowered the boom. Uh, they were involved in all kinds of idolatry. And of course, idolatry always leads you in a downward slope. So Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Amen. Uh, the you know that should not be the excuse me that should not be the case of, of of us who are who are saved and redeemed of the Lord because we have the Word of God and if we're in the Word of God and we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God we're going to find some convictions Amen we're in church on a regular basis or evangelistic services or whatever services we might be having there and the Word of God is being preached there uh, we can get get uh, get uh, pricked in our heart and say you know what boy I kind of been slipping a little bit in the wrong direction here and I need to get myself back on track again but the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked and we know that the question is asked at the end of that who can know it well who can know it well reality is that we have no idea of the wickedness of our heart and the things that our heart is capable of doing we have no idea but I can tell you this the further we get away from God the more gross it will be the more vile, the more wicked it will be. And so reality is that we have no idea until all of a sudden we ask ourselves, how did I get to this point? How did this happen? So when we look on history, there have been some unimaginable horrific people who were bloodthirsty and capable of unimaginable atrocities. Things that would just make the hair stand up on the back of your neck and say, how? How could anybody do this? How could these marauding people come into a village and just literally kill everybody? I mean, just slaughter them, women, children, pregnant women, and so on, and, and just leave a bloodbath wherever they went. 
uh, just so that they could have whatever valuables these little villages had. So again, it, it, it's almost depressing to realize that we live in a world that has people in this world that are capable of those things, whether you're talking about Pol Pot or Hitler or uh, Mussolini or uh, I can't remember what the Japanese guy is over there back in World War II and so on there. But uh, these were, I mean, Genghis Khan, these were all very vile, vicious, uh, people with no conscience whatsoever. And so there is a payday someday as verse 10 in Jeremiah 17 states, that I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Uh, so all those other guys I'd mentioned here very quickly, they've had their, their comeuppance. And now they realize that there is a God. And they know that there is a God that means business. And they have been burning in hell now for however long they've been there. And there are those who are still going to get there. For sure. So David wants to inform you and I that there are people who have become so spiritually depraved that they have no conscience. Scammers don't have a conscience. They don't care if they take your last dime. They don't care if they take your last pay. They don't care if you have to go live on the street. As long as they get whatever it is that they got, they could get from you and they've got, they've been able to get it. Beb, getting some poor English here. Uh, they were able to get it. They don't really care. That's your problem. You were foolish enough to listen to me and foolish enough to let me con you, then that's what you deserve. Well, the people of God, we've got to be wiser, we've got to be smarter in a, in a, in a conscienceless world. And so, while some of these people are seedy and vile people operating out of sight, others are in high places and uh, positions of leadership, some are even in pulpits who are scamming their people by not telling them the truth, preaching a compromised message, preaching a, a, uh, a social message rather than preaching the word of God and guiding and directing and warning the people of the evils that exist out there in the world. They are cunning and they are crafty. They're deceptive and ready to use whatever influence they have uh, that they have to harm and to do mischief. And so, some things that we can take into account here tonight. And what we must always beware be aware. We can level the field. We may live in a wicked world. We may live in a world where there are just vile people, but we can level the playing field. Amen? If someone is too, if something is too good to be true, then what? It is almost always too good to be true. Do not bite. Vet it. Check it out. And don't listen anymore. Just simply say, you know what? You're going to give me some time to think about this. I do not like to be pressured into something immediately. As I say, when a guy came by, I was looking for those shutters, the gutters on the house. And, and he said, listen, we can give you this big discount today if you'll sign the dot light right now. I said, well, I said, I really need some time to think about this. Well, you know, you're going to lose about six, $700. If you, he said, this, this is the price. We can only give you this price for the day. I think to myself, why? Why, why? why is the next day any different than today? Other than the fact that you want me to sign this piece of paper. And I may say, no, I don't think so. I, I didn't even call that company back. Didn't want to be bothered with them. Because I, I don't want to be told you have just X number, of, all like Biden said, he told Ukraine, uh, the, the uh, Bur Burisma, uh, yeah, he told the U Ukrainians, he said, you've got six hours, I'm going to be on that plane there. You've got six hours to make him fire that prosecutor. Well, the prosecutor was investigating Burisma, of which Hunter was on the board. And they didn't want to get discovered. And so he said, I won't say his words, but he said, I'll be. Uh, 
They fired them. They fired them because we weren't going to give them a, a billion dollars in uh, in foreign aid. Well, again, it's just how crooked the world is, and he had no problem with that because he basically is he's as corrupt as a day is long. So anyway, do not make rash financial decisions. Take take a season and pray and, and ask around and, and, and check out some reviews along the line. That's always a good thing to do. Uh, as I told the guys, you know what, I, I need to pray about this. I, I'm not going to sign the dotted line. But we need to pray about this before we make any decision here. Well, suppose he said, yeah, well, he said, I understood there. Wouldn't think it was. But uh, uh, if there are no reviews, walk away and look at the reviews because I've looked at some reviews out there and some of them were kind of glowing. Maybe written by themselves, I don't know. But you look at some other reviews down there and man, I mean, they, I see, oh boy, I'm, not, I'm glad I didn't sign the dotted line on this one. That's for sure. But walk away from high pressure situations. Don't assume that this is the last minute, the last second. If God wants you to have it, you'll have it, but it won't be under that kind of duress, that kind of pressure. So walk away from high-pressure situations. Ask a lot of tough-pointed questions. Don't be afraid to ask some questions. Listen, they're going to take your money. And you need to have some information before you hand over your money for them to do a job that you're not sure they're going to do all that well. So uh, trust God. Question everyone else. Amen? That's what this should be. Always trust God. Question everybody else. Find out where this person stands in their relationship to God. Might be a good telltale uh, uh, information for you. Then it might even tell them just sometimes where they talk when they're talking with you too. It may tell you where they are. But I think another thing we need to do is pray and then pray some more before you uh, uh, invest into uh, someone else's life along the way. So life is not fair, folks, but with godly living, being content is always a good thing. Being content with, with such things as you have. Being wise full of godly and biblical wisdom. And we can avoid a lot of the scams that the wicked are perpetrating. Be prayed up, be read up, be wise as a serpent when you're dealing. Admonition from the Lord, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Folks, there's wolves out there. Be ye therefore wise as serpents, and harmless as doves. And you won't have to worry about those who have no conscience. You'll be able to avoid them like the plague. Amen? Well, that's all we've got for tonight. But we do have some prayer.